0: Greeks used the word alive for the concept of being soul, indicating that the earliest surviving philosophical view believed that the soul was that which gave the body life. So the soul was considered this incorporeal or spiritual breath that kind of animates the living organism. Uh, I found a, um, a poet, I think uh, his name was Francis Cornford, who died in 1943. He was an English uh, poet and scholar who quoted... Uh, Pindar, which is an ancient Greek poet who thought that the soul uh, sleeps while the limbs are awake, but when we're sleeping, the soul was active in our dreams. And so tonight's show is about choosing the soul Is a path. I went online and was looking at a lot of different stuff about what people write about the soul's path, and and it's really interesting to me that a lot of what you find on the concept of the soul's path is either Buddhist... Or it's um, I found some stuff on uh, lightworkers <laughs> who uh, who believe that it's uh, th- that the soul has a um, has a path that has been predetermined, and that that you're supposed to come here and clean out all the all the karmic uh, garbage uh, to become the authentic self. And of course, you know what the soul's intent is about is is living a soul infused life that is a choice, which requires. Uh, some faith and trust in the intelligence and wisdom of the soul. And, and of course, the implication of the soul's intent is that it's, it's, is that it's the authentic self. And so what I'm teaching and what I'm implying is that we live you know, two lives, one that, that we're conditioned to live, which is the psychology of who we are, and one that's going on inside of us that's yet to emerge, and, which, is the, which is the spiritual side.
1: It makes total sense to me from my personal life experience because I've always been connected to something that something which we're defining as the soul and the soul's path um for me, I've been connected to that from a young age, and that that has put me on a definite um path in life and so this the show tonight is, is, is right on for me. And I have a lot of questions, mostly to, um, I think to find for the audience, um, what you're meaning in, in your opening paragraph, there's, there's lots of things you're saying in the opening paragraph that aren't, um, typical language that's kind of out there for people.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's, It's that language that really um, drew me to listening to you and your teachings to begin with, because it does stand out from most everything that I have found out there Mm -hmm. that kind of defines the soul's path. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and I'm assuming you're talking about uh, how, how, how I define the human spirit.
1: The human spirit, the ego, feeling reaction, uh, faded, break, self-correcting. I mean, you put so much in that opening paragraph that isn't your typical language that that is out there for um, the public. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, So
1: those are the, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and in fact, a lot of spiritual teachings merge the soul and spirit together as one. And uh, Mm
2: -hmm. and they're kind
0: of one and the same thing when when really what I'm implying in the soul's intent is that the human spirit, is your physical memory of the disconnect from the soul? Uh, and that disconnect is what creates the human spirit. And then in the disconnect or the fated break, as I call it, uh, you develop an angst. And of course, the angst is to reconnect. You know, that's the, you know, I, I, I had a person the other day when I was speaking who asked me, um, What does my work say about destiny? and i and I had to stop for a second, and I thought, well, you know, I don't think the soul uh if the soul is is predetermined uh or if it has a goal, it's to simply get here and be fully embodied in this experience, so goals are more in the ego's domain. What do you think do you think that do you do you agree with that or do you think that's confusing
1: um Yes, I do think goals are are more in the um, ego's domain. But as you're saying that, there, um, and I've heard you say it this before, and it's been very clarifying to me that um, at one point in your life, I don't know who it was that said it to you, that you you knew what was driving you, but you didn't know what was pulling. You. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. think the, I think the ego drives, but the soul does pull.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: and mm-hmm. and of course
0: I I tell the story and I'll I'll tell it again. I'm sure it's on another uh, broadcast somewhere because I've been doing this since 2002, so it's on there somewhere uh, about that Jewish story of a little boy flying his kite and uh, and he, uh, he goes out into the park with his with his dad and 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 the and the kite goes up into the sky and it goes so high that it goes into the clouds and the way the story goes, generation after generation, the father and son go to the park, you know. And fly their kite. And one day, this old guy's walking in the park and he asks the little boy uh, what he's doing. He says, Well, I'm flying my kite. And he looks up into the sky. The old guy looks up in the sky and says, I don't see anything up there except for a string hanging out of the cloud. How do you know it's there? And he says, Because I can feel the tug. And I love Mm -hmm. that story because it's a good indication that you, first of all, are looking up, which means you have a vertical relationship. With the universe and with the world in general mm-hmm. and and that you're being pulled by whatever that that is that's behind the cloud, so to speak and uh so I like that uh in terms of the symbolism of it because that's really that's really what the um uh, uh what the spiritual side of this experience is, and it certainly is what the soul's intent is so if I thought about that when that guy asked me the question, I would have said. That the soul is uh, wants you to pay attention to the tug that's the destiny mm-hmm. that's the destiny is to pay attention to 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 its pull, so to speak
2: mm-hmm. and uh yeah. and,
0: of, and of course we don't uh, or or we do, but we don't uh you know that's why I like what that poet said uh or that that uh, Greek poet said is if the soul sleeps while the limbs are active. But when we're sleeping, the soul is active in our dreams. And so the soul speaks Mm -hmm. to us in our dreams all the time, but it also Mm -hmm. speaks to us in our daily lives if we're paying attention. You know, you you and I have had some experiences this week where the soul was speaking to us uh, in in the Mm -hmm. sense that the outside world kind of came aligned with some of the stuff that we're doing and some of the stuff that we've been talking about. And you're always wowed, at least I am, and I know you are too, when that alignment Mm -hmm. occurs, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's happening in real time. It's not happening in ego time. It's not tied to the past mm-hmm. and it isn't looking at the future. It's really in the present tense. And so it's always kind of it's always kind of energizing. Uh, and It certainly is one of those those uh, soul infused kind of uh, kind of experiences where you go like, you know, wow, how is that possible? How did that happen? You know, and. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah. It makes me wonder, um, the poet or whoever it was that you quoted about um, while we're awake, is it the, the lens is asleep? The, is that lens?
0: No, it's a limbs, I was- L-I-M-B-S. He's saying that the limbs are active. Oh, uh, I
2: see. Okay. Yeah,
0: as the, as the mm-hmm. soul sleeps, other words, the body is moving. But as we sleep, the soul is active.
2: So mm-hmm. so it's
0: so it's implying in that and 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 of course that's poetry that's a poet who said that it was a Greek poet and and he died in 1943 uh, so that's a long time ago so but anyway he's implying that um, that that the soul was working in the background all the time
2: yeah. and that it's mm-hmm. never really offline
0: only when the limbs are awake only when the body is awake does it seem to be offline and and of course mm-hmm. that's because the ego uh, grabs our attention because we got places to go people to see things to do that we're not really we're not really in tune with it and so of mm-hmm. course what i advocate in the work i do is if you pay attention in a present tense kind of way you can see the soul working all the time mm
1: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah, makes me wonder, and, I, and I'm going to have to ponder on this because I don't really know how it's connected or if it's connected, that if in a way we're kind of asleep to the soul while we're awake and functioning in our lives and it kind of speaks to us in our sleep, it, it makes me wonder what part the imagination plays. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's something I'm going to have to ponder on because I know there's a connection there.
0: Well, I I, I quoted uh, I think I had this on my refrigerator at the at my house, which is uh, the worst use of imagination is worry, and I think mm, and I think yeah. that's and I think that's Thoreau that, that, that actually wrote that, but um, it it plays a part because because the soul communicates to us in images hmm. And so mm-hmm. in your imagination and, and that's really kind of what the secret was doing, you know, they were trying to if you can just, you know, if you could come up with an image uh, for success or come up with an image of a million dollars or come up with an image of your soulmate and you put it out into the universe, you know, that it will occur if you hold the image, you know. Uh, and mm-hmm. which, of course, which I think is bull. but that, <laughs> but, but they were using that same context or that same logic, you know, but yeah, the soul uh, speaks in images and symbols and metaphor. It's like in mm-hmm. between the lines, right? It's, uh, or as mm-hmm. I say, or as I said to you the other day, and uh, when we were talking, it's in the peripheral of our vision, the mm-hmm. soul.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And you can't always right. see what's in the peripheral.
2: Right, right.
0: So if no. you, but if you. Um, if you adopt the position of the soul, which which is the above observer, you no longer have to rely on the peripheral because you're now up above your life and circumstances and looking down at it from an objective, loving, accepting kind of view as a witness, you see. Um, So, so uh So you don't have to worry about relying on the peripheral. So many of us, hope for something in the peripheral, you know, uh, and, and then, and then we're puzzled when we can't see it and it's because we don't get up above it. We're not far enough away from it, where we can actually see the whole thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A question I had in connection to, um, not only what you wrote tonight, but you, you did send me something that I was kind of looking at, um, before the opening is the uh, internal absolutes and, and mm. going through going through that and in the connection to tonight's show that we all go we all come into this life the same way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're all in this together, kind of experiencing um, the same things, but yet um, the experience is um, separateness um within a lot of people a feeling of of separateness but there is something that does connect us all and it is those internal absolutes that we're all going through um the same kind of life experience thinking that we're all going through something very different but we're really not
0: yeah what sets us what sets us <laughs> apart is how we interpret it and what sets mm-hmm. us a, and of course what sets us apart is the individual experiences themselves but uh
2: mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. and so
0: so what sets us apart is the subjective experience yeah.
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah all of our subjective experiences i mean they've done a lot of uh of uh journals and and stuff on twins and on people that they grow up uh in a so-called intact normal household that one kid has a totally different experience than than the other kid and they, and they may be 6 6 months apart or a year apart in age but yet they have a totally different experience a totally different sense of mom and dad a totally different sense of of the family and and it's because their subjective experience is not the same as the other person you see
2: mm, and right, so,
0: right. so that's what sets us apart is the subjectivity and uh and of course in my work what i'm wanting people to do is to get a clear idea of of consciousness and i i stole uh, sam sam harris's way of defining that that it's a that consciousness is a subjective experience t- uh to be me or to be you and so enlightenment would be just how clear is the subjective experience and so so that's what i'm bringing i'm bringing a a, a deeper understanding of understanding the emotional kind of animal that you are um in relationship to the feeling animal that you were intended to be and realize that the 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 person that feels is reacting and the person that emotes is reenacting almost like deja vu and mm-hmm. um, and and that distinction is uh is important to have. And it's not, and, and I don't know that a lot of biologists would agree with me on that, or even neuro, neuropsychologists would agree with me, because it isn't pure. In other words, I'm splitting hairs to say there's a distinction between feeling and emoting, but we have a lot of evidence that, uh, that most of us are afraid of our feelings or don't trust our feelings. So that tells you that we're detached from them in some way, so they got to be different. They may look the same in terms of brain function. They may look the same in terms of the biochemistry of it all. But in terms of how we psychologically break it down, we separate the two. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, And and
0: so it's important to talk about the way it is, you know, in terms of that. Uh, um, So that's why I'm making that distinction.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and that... um Depending on what a person's life experience was, how far you have disconnected or detached from your feeling self, it's something. um, Maybe for some people, they simply don't even remember. Mm -hmm. They don't even remember that they're a feeling animal versus an uh, emoting animal.
2: Well, a lot. Yeah,
0: Yeah, yeah. A lot of people talk about the gut. Talk about the stomach, mm-hmm. you know that uh, you have a gut feeling about something, and that that's very accurate because we're finding brain cells in the in the stomach and brain cells in the heart, and and we know mm-hmm. that the body will not run into a burning building, but the brain will run right in. So we know the body has intelligence. What we don't stop uh, sit around and think about so much is where that intelligence is coming from, and of course it's coming from the soul. It's coming from your life force that aspect that animates you. Uh and uh makes perfect sense when you think about it that way.
1: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. I was also wondering um before the show that we all um come into this life experience in the same way and we all experience the the faded break and I'm I'm just really pondering on on all of that because um it seems like there's really none of us that escape the experience of um kind of forgetting this the the sense of the soul or soul awareness and having to take that journey to return to to remembering that which is the the reconnecting yeah. and I don't know, it's just, um,
0: yeah. And that's, and we've talked about that in psychology, you know, Carl Jung called it, you know, the, the, um, the creation of individuality or individuation was integration and disintegration. So we, we come into the world, integrated, disintegrate, and then have to reintegrate later on. Um, you know, and then I, I use the, um, of the 10 man who gets dismembered uh and you know and thinks that he doesn't have a heart because he gets so dismembered that he forgets what he's doing in the story and um, and when he gets to the place of forgetting that he has a heart uh he thinks he doesn't have one and mm-hmm. um, and or or he forgets his purpose uh and which means he thinks he's lost his heart so I like that example because it is remembering so we do mm-hmm. lose, we do lose our our arms and our legs, just like he did, and we do lose our head, and we do get split down the middle because we're divided. We're divided, uh, as we, like I said in the, in the beginning of the show, that we're living two two lives: the one that we're conditioned to live, and the one that's going on inside of us,
2: mm-hmm. uh, which is, which
0: is really really wanting to emerge, and uh, and that emergence is really the. The soul's uh, the soul's intent to really just uh, for us to embrace its full embodiment and all of what mm-hmm. that means because with that comes all of the potential that that would mean. The way that we talk about the brain, you know, you know that you know we 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 hear all the time that we only use a small portion of our brain, where we're using a microcosm of the soul. Yeah. And then a small portion yeah. of our brain, we're not using the soul hardly at all. Except for in a crisis, and when we get in a crisis, the soul kicks in. Isn't that fascinating?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, in mm-hmm. a crisis, the soul sees the 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 whole of something. That's the near-death experience, or something that happens when your whole life flashes before you. And and we're in moments of contemplation and introspection and reflection. Those are soul behaviors. Those are those are soul uh, kinds of activities. But we, mm-hmm. but we uh, have to be pushed there, sadly, unless we do it on purpose, reflect and be
1: introspective. Yeah, yeah. 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 And and um, are aware enough. And I'm, I'm not really sure exactly what causes that awareness in some and not in others. That the soul's path is something we have to choose.
2: Mm-hmm. We
1: have to be be aware enough to consciously make that choice.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, yeah, I'm not sure what creates that awareness in some of us and, and it's not there in others. I Well, yes, I kind of am, because your terminology kind of points that out, because there has to be a willingness and um, somewhat of a understanding of um, suffering. And what that means. And it's not a bad thing. And, it, and that suffering and knowing how to do that, which is a, a big part of what your teaching brings us, um, does uh, bring that awareness yeah. of, of how to make that reconnection.
0: Of course, what I'm saying is, is that we have we have almost three years uh, of a connection with the soul before the uh, creation or formation of ego and that three years and three years is a long time. I mean, three years is a Mm -hmm. long time to have that connection. Um, But then as soon as the ego kicks in around three years of age and and beyond, ego takes over and we kind of lose, kind of lose that connection, but we still have the memory of it and it's stored in Mm -hmm. our body. In fact, it's stored in our cells, not just our physical body, but it's stored in our cells that we have a memory of that. And there is such a thing as cell memory, you know, which is pretty cool. Um, one of the things that kind of came to my head as you were talking about this was um, love. You know, we've heard that, um, uh, that love doesn't, that, that we don't choose love. Love chooses us. You've, you've heard that mm-hmm. phrase, phrase before. And I'm talking about an interpersonal relationships when you're looking for love. Um mm-hmm. I'm, it, it, it made me also think of when I was talking to a, a mentor of mine years ago about the pursuit of self-love, and I had a phenomenal experience of awakening. And I asked one of the teachers at the time if what I had just experienced was self-love, and he says, "Only the ego would tell you how love's supposed to feel. Love knows itself. What do you think?" Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, and so the soul the soul knows itself. Mhm. It's not for us to get to know the soul. I'm I'm sorry, it's not for the soul to get to know us, it's for us to get to know the soul. And and mm-hmm. and, and really what is it to know about the soul mm-hmm. that that it's a dimension uh, of love and truth and freedom that is outside of of fear and outside of all of the angst uh that comes from living in this existence which is t- you know typically tied to guilt and shame. So, yeah, we have to go back and and kind of discover that, but um, mm-hmm. if we begin to give the soul station in our lives um and start and start using the intelligence of that wisdom um then everything changes, and you know you have it if you've ever been been somebody who has stopped and had a thought that there's got to be a larger truth than the one you're in. You know that certainly was Mm -hmm. my experience as a child. I think you had that experience as a child. There's got to be a larger truth than this,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, which which you know which happens in adolescence when we look at our parents and we say, okay, I know what you guys think and feel and believe. Now I'm gonna go form my own opinion. Well, if you have a soul connection, I think you're kind of having the same conversation, but you're having it with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, you know, I know uh, what I'm being taught and what I'm being told, but I have a sense that there's something larger than what's than, than what I'm being told and what I'm being told I should be believing about all of this. And so I think true spiritual seekers have that connection, you know, at some point.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: yeah. One of the things one of the things that I also found tonight when I was researching this business of the soul's path online is um uh, the metaphysical people and the light workers and <laughs> these other folks talk about that once you give the soul station, you'll be open to your spirit guide. <laughs> and when I read that,
2: mm-hmm.
0: when I read that, it, it that that just it it just reinforces why we're so confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 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 in and of itself just the concept of spirit guide just confuses the whole equation
1: yeah yeah because Because in a way it creates more division and more separateness
0: well and and and, yeah it implies that that whatever it is we're seeking is outside of us
1: right right
0: and it's going to come to us if we just make ourselves a conduit it's going to come to us and um and in fact, that's the religious concept is is that that we are a conduit to experience god and um and but then you have to also um adopt all the other stuff that there's a right and a wrong way to be um to be that conduit <laughs> so um when really it's just get out of your own way and you are a conduit mm-hmm. simply put mm-hmm. just get out of your own way, which means get the ego out of the way and let let it come through which takes practice yeah. and takes you know some mm-hmm. study and whatever and yeah. you know yeah. I was thinking Irma because you 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 would ask me this uh as we were talking uh kind of off the air about um about the stages of what I'm about to be teaching and, and what I'm about to be doing there's going to be a point um in the experience when people find me and find the work that I'm doing that um, we come to an impasse, in other words, we're going to come to a place where I can introduce people uh like like the intro says on the show that uh, i can I can help reveal where you are where you are on the spiritual path. well, once I reveal that to you, that's when the work begins, and in mm-hmm. that in that becomes the dialoguing and becomes the conversation, so really a a great deal of what the soul's intent is about, and all of the 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 stuff that I'm teaching folks, uh, terminology and context and all of that, is to just get people oriented to the task, mm-hmm. and and uh, and of course the you know in in kind of a larger sense the the you know the task is to reconnect, but the journey is the process of reconnecting,
1: and mm-hmm.
0: so and so finding where people are in their journey or helping people discover where they are because this is a key thing to you know, if you don't know, if if you, be, before you can have any sense of where you're going, you have to know where you are. Exactly.
2: You have to know, you've, mm-hmm.
0: you've got to know where you're starting from. And many of us don't. And I don't think that um, uh, many spiritual teachings do that. I don't think they kind of let you know where you are. Um, mm-hmm. Not, not in a very concise yeah. way, at least.
1: Mm. Very true. Very true. Mm. Yeah. When you were talking about, um, us knowing the soul or the the soul knowing us and i was thinking i was kind of putting myself in, in that that soul place and saying well what what's the difference between you know that mm-hmm. how you describe us knowing the soul or the soul knowing us well mm-hmm. the soul is unconditional mm-hmm. there are no conditions in, mm-hmm. in soul awareness there are no conditions so with no conditions there's no judgment and that's the major difference, I think yeah, the soul doesn't have any conditions
0: we do, yeah we right. yeah, the soul has yeah. no the soul uh, uh you know starts out as a burst of light as a as a creative life force as it comes into this existence uh and then so in its only condition is that it has to inhabit this body you know and 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 it has to um. And it cannot breathe, nor come into uh, to this this dimension, so to speak, until we get out of its way, you know, and and allow it to come through. And it really only has uh, one intent, and that is to just express, to manifest.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and that's what's so cool about about us. It's like you know that each of us is is a very unique expression of an individual soul. Um, mm-hmm. and so that, and that's exciting <laughs> to think that you, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exciting to think that you have the, you have the capacity to be a unique expression
2: Yeah,
0: and mm-hmm. it's not, and it's not defined by where you're from or what you've been through or what you've endured or what, what traumas you've overcome. It's, it's, it's not defined. That's just what happened to you. That isn't who you are. You see,
1: mm-hmm. who you are. Yeah. The uniqueness is like the soul. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Who, who
0: you are is an unrealized manifestation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. A, mm-hmm. a, a how about this? An unrealized sense of aliveness <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh,
0: that if you get out of the way comes through. Yeah. And so yeah, and so right. I, I said a long time ago that it, I felt it was kind of sad in the human condition that we had to have a tree fall on us, and I worked many 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 years not wanting to believe that. Is I work with trauma patients, and then I finally just kind of gave in and said, gosh, I guess we do have to wait
2: Mm -hmm.
0: until a tree falls on us because we, you know, that's how stubborn the human ego is. And then the stubbornness is reinforced by the collective ego uh, because the collective ego, which is the culture, really is uh, not encouraging us to have any kind of inner ground or inner sense of self. It's all kind of outside of us. And, uh, Mm um, Because, you know, love and success and identity and purpose, it's all outside of us. It's, you know, we don't we don't really encourage an inside out kind of process.
1: Right. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Wow. And the thing is, you know, no matter where a person is on their their life's journey and how connected they are to the soul's path or not connected, it's um, there's it's nobody's fault. It's it's just this life conditioning that creates that that disconnect and that that separation. So there's nothing or no one to blame.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I, I think to accept that and understand that, um, then you can uh, shift into a place of responsibility and accountability. That if you are to arrive and come into your fullest potential it's really up to you to take that responsibility and accountability mm-hmm. to do that yeah yeah well and find and find those special teachers that um you resonate with and and who kind of speak a language you understand and i think we really do need each other in that sense i don't know that um this is something we could or should do alone right yeah. Well
0: yeah but, yeah because we need mirrors and we need you know, this is what we need each other for is is to be is to be reflective and to be mirrors at some point but the problem mm-hmm. is trying to find a a valid mirror that brings us into mm-hmm. a place of uh, of integrity you know because mm-hmm. one of one of the things that uh, that one of me that kind of drove me to want to bring this to the public is is that when I left the hospital and came out into the community and came out into the world and began to speak and move around the country a little bit and find out what was happening in the spiritual community, and you're much more in tune with that than I am even, but, but what little bit I discovered about it, that it seemed like that the spiritual path was for the affluent and for people that had disposable income.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm and yeah, and, I, that's and,
0: and yeah and i thought well wow what about the rest of us you know what about the rest of us where's the where's the spiritual path for us you know and 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 um and and that's again i mean I, i'm i'm bringing a spirituality that is um that is valid because i'm speaking about the human condition that we all come in uh, we all come in under the same kind of umbrella and we all come in with the same condition problems and and we we move from one dimension uh which is um kind of connected and synchronized with life itself into an existence that's out of sync and off kilter mm-hmm. and off balance and yeah. and it's like um in in my mind i see a bunch of ants you know uh, you know going up and out of an anthill you know just carrying the carrying a little piece of bread on their on their back as they that, you know, kind of like the worker ants. So this is kind of the way people are, you know, they, um, and so, and so when I had this idea that spirituality or the spiritual path is only for the affluent, what about all the worker bees and the worker ants that are carrying their, their lunchbox to work every day and get in, you know, get up and, and get the kids off to school and, and go to work. What about those people? You know, what's, what's their mm-hmm. path, you know? <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. And so, and
0: so this work really that I'm doing, um, Addresses everybody, not just the affluent uh yeah. and it, and, and, mm-hmm. and it isn't and it isn't really a um way out of your reach kind of a goal you know because if 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 I have any wish in the work that I'm trying to get out is this that I just want people to be on a path that is valid uh and I want them to be on their path and mm-hmm. and, and and which would be their soul's path not their mm-hmm. ego, not their ego's path.
2: Um,
1: right. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah. That really is an important point, And that is something I really do love about your teachings because it is, um, it's across the board for, for all people. And there isn't a, um, only certain of us can, can reach this, this place of, of enlightenment, and uh, it, it becomes at a certain point in in some spiritual communities so a little a little um a little hypocritical, a little yeah. um yeah. cultish, like only only a chosen few can can get in here, and if you're um, <laughs> If your income is large enough you are more than welcome. And and I almost I'm almost a little uncomfortable saying that but there is there is a truth in that. Yeah. There is a truth in that. And, well, and so I really appreciate what you have brought forward because anybody can listen to you and read your books and um, get what you're understanding and apply it to their lives. It's it's not for only the affluent in a beautiful retreat somewhere on an island.
0: <laughs> right, right. Well, and the other thing too that there isn't a right or wrong way to uh, to get on this path. Uh, there's an ethical way. There's a contextual way. Because uh, without ethic and without context, you can't find the door. But 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 certainly, if you once you find what the path is. Uh, and and we 're talking about the path to self, of course, but also when I say self, i 'm talking about the the authentic self, which would be the soul, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that that path is um, doesn't have you' know, it 's not, it's not information. you know the implication i mean I, i've done a lot of reading, you 've done a lot of reading there's a lot of wonderful books out here in the world. On the spiritual path and about the soul and about all those things, but i don 't know about you, but every time i 've read those, I walk away with some information, but i don 't walk away with any clarity mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that what what i 'm bringing is providing that it's it 's offering clarity i 'm trying to get a universal way to talk about the human condition
2: mm-hmm. and
0: very specifically the psycho spiritual Condition that we are kind of conditioned to live in. That we come into the world spiritual by nature, and then become psychological animals, and um, and and that's what I mean when I say we're living two different lives: the one that's going outside of us, and the one that's going on inside of us. And so, so I'm also bringing a, a way to define normal, what normality mm-hmm. would be. I had a woman today mm-hmm. in my office who. Uh, I was telling you a little bit about it before, but uh, when I asked her why she was coming in to see me, what the disability was, she said, well, I I think I'm crazy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I looked at her, and I said, really? I said, "Um, do you agree? Do you think you're crazy? She says, well, everybody's kind of telling me that I am. I said, do you know what crazy is? And I stole this line from the movie Girl Interrupted, but I love the line because it's perfect. She says, Mm -hmm. what? What is it? I said, it's you or me amplified. She goes, huh, what do you mean by amplification? I said, volume. Literally, I have thoughts that are crazy. You have thoughts that are crazy. The only thing that sets us apart is the volume. <laughs> and she liked that. It was kind of like, well, gosh, then mm-hmm. everybody has that problem, then, right? And I said, yeah she says well i still feel pretty crazy <laughs> but of course of course in that conversation was also personality disorder and and whatever so she was she was she was being told by the mental health profession she's got a mood and a thought problem which is kind of schizoaffective or schizophrenic or bipolar but she's also got a personality disorder, which is a type trait problem, which means her connection with others and her and the way she um, sees herself in the world is also a problem. And that was and that was problem long before the psychiatric condition kicked in. You see, I've often wondered, as many years as I've been doing this, how many psychiatric patients we would have if they fixed their personality disorders first. You see. Because, oh. because I well, think. How one, would
1: someone go about doing
0: that? Well, I think one exacerbates the other. I think I think if you come in with a type trait ego problem, which is just ego dysfunction, with a lot of distortions about who you are in relationships, with the world around you, and you don't have, you know, some kind of healthy way to connect with others, that that is what breeds psychosis. Because then you're just in your head yeah. with all this craziness, you see. So I think I think probably I'm going to make up a number, but I I would say probably thirty forty percent of the psychiatric population wouldn't be psychiatric. Uh, wouldn't have a mood thought problem had they figured out what I'm teaching, which is that everybody has personality disorder, and you're either one in recovery or you're not.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. and it's
0: and it's really a matter of to what degree you're disordered, which means to what degree are you detached. your real sense of self and like i said to her today i said um i said do you know what your first diagnosis you know was and i I do this to clients all the time and and let's make up her name was mary she said bipolar and i said no and she said uh depression i said no she said addiction i said no your first diagnosis was mary and you know what she did she laughed and went that's good that's good she said (laughs) she just laughed that's good i hadn't heard that before
1: but mm-hmm.
0: but I, I I say that to people because it's true.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You know the first diagnosis we ever get is the name that we carry, and all that comes with it. You know. Yeah. Uh, look at look at look at black sheep kids. You know black sheep mm-hmm. kids are are children that carry the shadow of the family.
2: Mm-hmm. And the,
0: you know their 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 name might be Susan and Billy, but their name in the family is a black sheep kid. Because mm-hmm. they, they were they were in total conflict with the reigning authority, and there was no other job available except for the to, to carry the shadow of the family. So they did. They were expected mm-hmm. to fail. So they did. They were expected to become addicts. So they did. Um, they were expected to show the pathology of the family, so that so the family wouldn't have to take responsibility for it. And so they did. Like there was no other mm-hmm. job left. You see.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so, so yeah, I think that, that one of the things that I that I'm going to be bringing um, to the to the spiritual community is that we all have a type trait ego problem, and we get it very young. In fact, it happens around junior high school and middle school, and then becomes quite quite crystallized by the time we hit high school, and then we just take it into the world after that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if we don't examine, and of course we make up that's who we are. This type trait ego dysfunction that we have, we make up that's who we are, but it's just what happened to us or it's where we're from. It's just conditioned, learned behavior and learned ideas of who we think we are.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And when, when when I was talking to her about that, she, she asked me, um, and I forget how she posed the question, but it was um, – it was kind of a moral question, you know, about, you know, that she was a bad person or that she's done some bad things. And I said, well, you know, let me ask you a question. Have you ever harmed anybody? Have you ever uh, pushed a, a woman in a wheelchair in front of a bus? <laughs> you know, she said, no. I said, have you ever shot anybody, stabbed anybody? She said, no. And I said, well, what part of you do you think stopped you from doing that? Do you think that was your head? And she says, I don't know. What part was it? And I pointed to my heart. And
2: mm-hmm. I said, so,
0: so as crazy as you think you are, you've been ethical with your craziness. So how crazy are you really? Have you read a paper mm-hmm. recently? You see, look at the number of people that go out and, and take their insanity out on others. So as detached as she thinks she is, she's not so detached. She's not recoverable, you see.
2: Mm-hmm. But no
0: mental health professional is going to tell her that. That's what's so sad. What they're going to do is they're going to treat her label and her symptoms, and they're not going to bother to treat Mary. you know they're not going to treat her. And that's the problem that we're in, you see, and I think that that's and, and, it's, and to me, it's all related, and I think that's a little bit of what's wrong with the spiritual, with the spiritual problem or the spiritual community in the culture, is is that you know, you know, uh, only the ego would tell you what the soul's supposed to feel like. the soul knows itself. Would you like to know it? you know, Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) and
0: yeah, and that's uh, because it isn't out of your reach. It's with you every day. You know, I say to people all the time, you know who you are when you put your head on the pillow at night. You don't have anybody. You don't need anybody to tell you who you are. You know who you are. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: The question is, do you know what you are? Do you know where you are? Do you know why you are? This is the
1: question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, And that's the importance of. I think a big part of how your teachings stand out because they are Mm psycho-spiritual. And so if a person does reach a place in their lives and they feel like, gosh, um, I I have to do something different. Let me seek something. And so they might go into therapy or they might seek out a spiritual community or a a religious community. The problem, I think, is those um fields themselves the psychological and the the spiritual or religious they're split but mm. but there needs to be an understanding of both to be to make that connection to A soul awareness. You can't just deal with the personality. You can't just deal with the soul. You have to bring them together. And that's what your teachings do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're not either or. You're both of those things. You're you're, you're not just a subjective animal that's at the mercy of the world around you. You're also an animal that is objective, that has the capacity to sit Mm -hmm. back and witness and observe your life outside your body, in fact.
2: Um, you know, and
0: so trying to merge the objectivity and the subjectivity is really what we're doing uh, with the soul's mm-hmm. intent. You know that there's a, there's a subjective view and there's a subjective experience, and then then there is the objective truth.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, and and so that's why I say it's a place. You know, when you move when you move into the halfway place between right and wrong, and when you move in between the halfway place between all these dualities that we that we preach in our culture it's in that middle ground place that you find the truth it's not polarizing to one side of the equation or the other and 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 in that objective place you find the ethic because you see context Mm -hmm. that's why we say that right or wrong is in the eye of the beholder we say that because we're polarizing back before back between two different sets of eyes
1: well where's Mm -hmm. the where's the
0: third person it sees the whole thing you see where's the third entity
2: mm-hmm.
0: well the third entity is the soul you know and somewhere between yeah. those two and somewhere between those two extremes lies the truth i say that all the time
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah
1: and and yeah there's the there's the soul but there has to be also the the connection um in the um the individual person to to bring it together. I mean it, it it's not it's not either or, it's both and. Right, so right. if you seek out, you know, help through therapy or you seek out help through <clears throat> a, a spiritual community or or religion, you're still in kind of like this um either or place because it has to be brought together. It yeah. has to be yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: well. When I say that uh, that love and truth and freedom is a place, it is in that objective view. It is in that neutral objectivity that love and truth and freedom mm-hmm. resides. Uh, because, in, because when you back away from the subjectiveness, uh, uh, which is you know, get away from the being overwhelmed by your emotions, and you step back and look at your life objectively, that's an act of love. That's, mm. a, that's an act of truth. That's a compassionate choice to step back objectively and then put the heart in the equation, you know,
2: mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and make
0: a decision that the human ego is not the compass. My brain is not the compass. There's a there's a real compass in the human condition and it's the human heart. If So I step back in an mm-hmm. objective way and look at my life. If I have a sensation of relief that in that moment of relief the heart goes online
2: mm-hmm. and that's exactly what
0: happens so so mm-hmm. that's why i think it's so important for people to get morals to their stories you know i think that's where the meaning and purpose is is being able to step back and see the whole of your life and uh as i say to people all the time if you have if you've been on the planet for thirty five years or more, you have some wisdom. Where did it come from? Well it didn't come from birthday cakes and bubbles, it came from pain.
2: Mm-hmm. So what are
0: you doing with the wisdom? Well, most of us give it away to other people, our wisdom. We give
2: mm-hmm. it you know, we try to mm-hmm. give it to
0: our kids or our best friends or the neighbor, but we don't give any of it to ourselves, which means we give we give people advice all the time in our lives. I mean, all the listeners that hear this show Every one of you have, has given somebody a piece of advice that you haven't taken yourself. <laughs> We've all done it. We've all mm-hmm. done it. And that's the hypocrisy, you see, of the ego. The ego will advise others, but it won't take its own advice.
1: Yeah, very, very true. Yeah. And that's why. And that's a big, big part of uh, your teaching as well as your definition of compassion. And, yeah. And, um, yeah to add the the love of oneself to that yes. compassion for oneself yeah
0: which which is which is based in humility and humbleness. It isn't uh you know one of the first books I did Big tail Small Kite, which was about the duckling uh that was born into a swan family uh and it was treated and rejected and whatever throughout the entire story. There's a scene in the movie or in the story where um he he just wants to meet these swans and he thinks he's so ugly that he and he's so taken by their beauty, he sticks his head beneath his wing and catches his reflection in the water and discovers he's a swan just like them. That there's a mm-hmm. there's there's humility and real compassion. Uh, there's there's humility and self love, and we get that confused, and we're not taught how to do it. The soul's intent teaches us how to do it, uh,
1: and yeah. that's and that's yeah.
0: important. Yeah. Yeah,
1: because they're definitely. Um um especially in, in some religions the idea of, of self sacrifice and that to love oneself is a a selfish act mm-hmm. and yeah to to self sacrifice is um that's
0: because it's tied to
1: self it, well
0: that's because it's 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 tied to self what's it called uh, um grandizement self grandizement is that the right way to say it uh, mm-hmm. yeah that 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 it's tied to this idea that to love oneself is narcissistic, and I'm not talking about that kind of love. That's a different. That's getting. Mm-hmm. St- that's getting stuck in your reflection. That
2: mm-hmm, would be looking.
0: Okay. That would be the duckling catching his reflection in the water and going, "Wait a minute! I don't need these people. I'm already beautiful."
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh,
0: that would be narcissism. That that would be being stuck yeah. in the reflection. And yeah. and when he realizes that that what he considers beauty to be, he possesses, he's humbled by that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's really the way it has to be, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm. and and, you know, for somebody like myself who had shame as a demon, self-love was a challenge for me. It was a it was a long journey for me to get to an understanding of self-love. And uh, Mm -hmm. and even today, you know, you know this because you compliment me all the time. I don't take (laughs) compliments well. I don't I I don't uh, I don't feel real good about listening to the sound of my voice too much before it starts sounding like gobbledygook to me. (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I think that that's I think that's one of the curses of shame. That uh, if you've been in the world and you've been shamed, which means you've been taught that you are a mistake, that you're aberrant, uh, and that you've done self-loathing and self-hatred at all, it's very very hard to find a balance because because what that is is egoic pride. I've never been real comfortable with how proud I'm allowed to feel before it's too much pride. Mm-hmm. And 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 really only people that have shame understand that people that have guilt don't understand that, but folks that mm-hmm. have shame do, and they, you know, pride is a hard thing to, you know, I I want to be proud, but I want to feel good about being proud, and that's a hard that that's a hard thing to kind of come to terms with if you don't have a context for it, uh, because
1: because yeah. mm-hmm. then it
0: feels narcissistic,
1: and yeah.
0: Um, yeah yeah,
1: and that is another thing that that you do clarify that um. Most of us uh, do have either guilt or shame, and and that's something that we have to come to terms with as well. That it isn't. Uh, I, I just love that you really, really um, bring an understanding that this is that this is the human experience. Yeah. It, it's the, human experience and um we're all experiencing very very similar things yet we're all individual and of course in in the soul we're unique but i love that that you kind of bring an understanding that um it's it's not an easy road for any of us but it we can get on a road that can become a lot easier and um, it's very helpful to have um a, a psycho-spiritual teacher that can kind of be a guide for you. And, and that is what you bring and what you offer. And I personally appreciate it. And I know um, anybody that decides to listen to you and, and read your books and, and take your, your workshops and courses in the future will will really benefit from it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that certainly is the hope. Well, I, I, I want to close out the show by just saying that, um, that that if you give the soul station in your life, you know if you finally make that choice irma, you know then then there are some things that 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 happen one one of them is that you get deeply committed to making a difference in the world, in other words, as soon as you embrace the manifestation that is you, you want to express that into the world and you want to share it um, and if you accept the the soul's path as a choice then you then you're Admitting that you remember that there's something larger at work inside of you uh, that you want to be connected to and you want to be anchored to uh, in some kind of present day way, you know, And, and that you want to find a consistent way to receive the soul's guidance because it's, as I say all the time, it's never off or away. It's always here. And and I think what what also happens when you embrace the soul's path is is that you also embrace that empathic side of you that's a natural helper uh, and wants to serve people and wants to serve the community in some way. Uh, you know, I find it curious that uh, that when we, when we talk about the dark night of the soul, which which I think is uh, I know in Catholicism has to do with a spiritual crisis uh, because you're 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 trying to journey towards a union with god and what the soul's intent would say is what if it's a reunion a reunion with this with this soul that is inside of you uh that you were intended to connect with to be fully present and alive in this in this in this existence or in this experience that we call a human condition Thank you for being a part of The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. This is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible.